Look, up on the slopes. What is that? Well, it looks like a pair of cross-country skiers going downhill. No, it must be some alpine skiers with broken bindings. Wait, on closer inspection, it's... Those Telly Guys. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Those Telly Guys. My name's Morgs, and I'm joined, as ever, by Rich. And this evening, we are joined by a friend of the show and good friend of ours, Andy Crow. So, uh, g'day, fellas. How are we doing? Hello. How are you going? Oh, I'm good, Andy. Yes, my voice has recovered somewhat. No throat singing this episode. So, much better. <laughs> and did manage to ski on the weekend, too, in the spring dump morgues. Jeez, they got 65 centimetres, not 70. So, a little bit off with their forecasting, but we can forgive that, can't we? Crikey. Yeah, I think we can forgive that. And can you just let the fair listeners know, and me know, Rich, because I'm interested, was it heavy sludge or was it quite enjoyable to ski because some of the photos were quite enticing that Falls Creek were posting. They were enticing and they do a mighty good job of getting people up there to get the Aussie pow. And look, I'll be honest, on Saturday it was pretty good. Uh, Viz was crap both days, but amongst the trees it was... Quite nice on Saturday, uh, Sunday rather heavy, and from all reports for the snow on Monday, also heavy, but Saturday was great. And one of the Falls Creek spies, Morgan, did manage to snap a photo of a Talamark skier, which was I, and put it on their socials, which is pretty rare. I thought they were not about tally skiers, so thanks, Falls Creek. Yeah, I should have mentioned that from the top. It was quite an elegant photo of yourself, Rich, and yeah, I did quite enjoy that. I, and I went to tag you in it, but I noticed that your lovely wife, Nicole, had already beaten me to to doing that. So yeah, well, Crowy. So can you tell us first of all how many days of skiing have you managed to get in in two thousand and twenty two? Um, it hasn't been the best season this year, but it's been pretty good. I reckon I've gotten around twenty two days, so I'm pretty happy. That's good. That's definitely money's worth sort of material. And you had some new skis for this year, or were they sort of newish last year? You had your fishes, but the the other the other skis, the Brahmas, were they new for this year? I had two pairs of skis. I reckon I bought in twenty twenty, and neither of them have really had a good run. So I had a pair of Brahma eighty twos in a one eighty seven length, and a pair of Fisher Rangers in a one eighty four. I want to say, and yeah, they hadn't really got a good run till this year. So it was really good to get them out on the snow and and see what they're all about. Yeah, well, I must say that the Brahmas were. Quite a little bit too long and heavy for myself the other weekend at, at Hotham. <laughs> but um, can you just give us a bit of a rundown on what have you been up to this season? Have you just been like charging in the resorts, Falls Creek, Hotham, um, or have you been getting out for some backcountry stuff as well? What's What's been good this year? So far, I'd have to say I've been very lazy. I've just been in the resort. Pretty hard to get motivated to go backcountry skiing when you've got that epic cliff pass. So, yeah, this year so far, I don't want to say so far because I've got a few plans in the next month, but, uh, yeah, just been in the resort so far. And it's been great to get a few resort days in with your Crowy as well, particularly over the Backcountry Festival. It was a great weekend of skiing. We've already mentioned previously about Morgs trying your skis, and that's what we're talking about this episode. We're here in the gear lab with you, and you are quite the gear junkie with skis and have often told us random tidbits of information that we're certainly not aware of. So really good to get some insight from you on this episode. One of the early things for us is that you're a 
Bishop Scare, you have the bindings that look so futuristic, almost Terminator-like, and we're keen to hear about those and what you think of them because we're starting to see a few more of them around the traps now but you've been skiing for a long time haven't you yeah that's correct i reckon i've had them for three years now the bishop bindings and i've bought them originally as 75 mil because i couldn't afford new boots so i just bought the bindings and then got lucky on an ebay buy and got some ntn boots so then switched them over to ntns I've, i've skied them both ways i guess that's one of the interesting things about the Bishop Bindings is the fact that you can convert it from 75 to NTN. Did you find that there was much difference between skiing the, the Bishop BMFR as a 75 and going to an NTN? Like, was there was there a great deal of difference or only a little bit? Yeah, I actually did find a reasonable amount of difference. I guess I put it down to how much plastic there is in the boot. I felt with the 75, you could just like lean into the binding where with the with the NTN, you had to physically think about keeping your heel down and putting your shin into it. There's just less sort of flex under the boot. It took maybe three or four days to adjust and then it was probably better because you get more rotation with the NTN. And you were a faithful 22 Designs user before you went to the, the Bishops, weren't you, Crow? You were, used to scare around the axles um, back in the day? Or the vices, sorry? Uh, yeah, yeah. I used to have vices. I couldn't afford axles, so I just had vices. And I used to tour on the vices, which was terrible. But, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, they, they were the – that's what taught me how to ski, I reckon, vices. And going from the 75mm vice binding to the bishop binding, can you remember if there was a huge difference? Um, I'd have to say there are, there are two differences. And for me, it was the preload. So that's where like the dead spot is between the ski and when the binding initiates. And so with the bishop, there was no dead spot. Where the vice, you'd have like a couple of mils. And then... The other part was when you're skiing really, really, really hard on the vice, you'd get a little bit of slop laterally, so left and right in the binding. Where with the bishop, there's absolutely zero slop. So yeah, that's that's what I noticed. Yeah, I've heard you talk about that before, Crowy. The fact that the bishop has uh, that really good lateral stiffness, and you might just need to explain this to us again now. You've sort of tried to explain to me before that the bishop it isn't a progressive binding, and that when you take your heel away from the ski it doesn't become more and like it doesn't build resistance as you move your heel away from the ski it's the same amount of resistance the whole time uh yeah pretty much so this the cool thing about the bishop is there are two different spring system involved there's a spring where as soon as you lift your heel off there's tension and then once you go from i don't know zero to three degrees then you get another spring system involved uh and that really puts the power in but it's a very lateral progression of tension so instead of it ramping up it's the same tension the whole way through lifting your heel off zero to 90 degrees where with other bindings as you lift your heel the tension ramps up the more you lift your heel up yeah so it's a it's a little different and do you prefer that crowy or uh i had a really good discussion with another friend of the podcast lucas about it and he the way he put it is it's a it's a skier's binding in the way that it you get what you put into it. You can't rely on the binding, but it's it's very responsive in the way that what you want is what you get, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, still yet to try the 
the bishop lineup. So keen to give it a go one day. And is this the only bishop binding that you've tried? Like you haven't tried the bomber, which was, I guess, the predecessor for all these new bindings that they're releasing now? I have tried the bomber and I absolutely love the bomber. I think that's my favourite binding of all time, the 75mm version. I have borrowed a pair of my good friend Hugh Walker. I've got them on my old skis. And they are amazing. They're the ones that are just like completely metal, aren't they? Yeah, I literally bought the BMFRs without hearing anything about them because I knew Bishop made them. But I would have to say I was a little disappointed because they don't quite live up to the original bomber uh, purity. Yeah, okay. I just I just Googled a picture of the bomber. They do look quite cool. They sort of look like a kid's a kid's alpine binding, how they have the just the wire piece at the front to hold the of the duck building. I have tried skiing NTNs on the original BMFR and it is doable. Oh, I'm sorry, on the original Bishop because uh, the wire just fits over the top regardless. Oh, right. Um, but I wouldn't recommend it. It's it's interesting, the, the world of Bishops and BMFRs and, you know, the lack of duck butt grabbers and, and the like, you know, before we delve too deep into this into this gear talk, fellas, Rich, we've got um, something that relates to this Across in the mailbag. You've got mail. Yes, we do. So this is coming from Armo, friend of the show, and we'll be keen to hear your thoughts on this email. Both of you, Morgs and Andy. Morgs, you just got new skis, of course, and then Andy, sure if you mount your own bindings, but it'd be good to hear your sentiments about this. So it's from Armo, and firstly, Morgs, you'll appreciate this. It says, hi, Rich and Ferg. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think when you first sent me this email um, earlier in the season, Rich, I I voiced my displeasure, you know, based on the fact that um, you know Ferg has appeared on this podcast all of zero times this year. <laughs> <laughs> but he has since uh, apologised in a. A latter email about that. <laughs> Indeed. It says, firstly, love the show. Please keep it up. It's a very prestigious production, hence the royal credit, of course, referring to when the Queen came on and said that she drops a knee. Now, down to business. As you would know, I've been through a few Telemark skis over my time, all mounted with various 22 Designs binding at 75. I want to get some perspective on the big question of mounting positions. My current sick days are mounted about two centimetres back from manufacturer's mark. I originally mounted boot centre to that mark, which felt very wrong. I feel like they need to go back even more. Should I risk another set of holes and go for the traditional mount? I figure this might be good fodder to put to the listeners. Cheers, Armo. Initial thoughts about that? Yeah, interesting. Um, I suppose I'll throw in my my initial piece. As you said, Rich did just buy some new skis, the Volley V6s with the 22 Designs links, which were mounted by our friend over in the States, Telly Tay. So thanks, thanks for that, Tay. And he did message me and he said, where do you want them mounted? He said, now, they, they recommend just boot center. And I actually sent Lucas a quick text and said, where do you have your V6s mounted? And he said, yeah, I'll just have mine mounted on center. Uh, so that's what I went with and they've they've been okay. But yeah, I, I don't really know a whole lot about uh, this mounting stuff other than I know, Rich, you mentioned to me in the past, isn't it's it's normal for tele skiers to often go rear 
of centre? Yeah, so the original instructions I had with my 22 Designs binding suggested going back one to two centimetres and maybe even more for larger boots for a traditional tele-mount. And I guess that's referring to back in the day and perhaps wanting um, more of the ski out in front of you when you're skiing rather than less. And perhaps this is referring to days when there were Telemark-specific skis made or maybe when you used to mount them off cord centre, which is some hocus-pocus way of mounting bindings. But I just go boot centre, always have. Not ski centre, but boot centre, two different things, purely because the ski is being designed for that, especially these days with so much side cut and camber and early tip rise and even if you got twin tips and tip rise at the back so i figure that they're designed a ski for the boot to be mounted on boot center and that's why i've always done it what do you think about that crowing uh well i think you raise a really good point is that there's some much smarter people than us who have made the ski and they've put a line there so i think we should probably follow that but the way the way i look at it is ideally in the telemark turn you're thinking about putting majority of your weight on your back foot, but you're probably 50-50. So your downhill ski, if you're mounted boot centre, will be riding correctly with your weight in the right spot if it's mounted in the right spot. And with your back ski, you can you can adjust where your weight is a little bit more because with telemark turning, you can lift your heel and you can adjust where it is. Uh, and then... Especially if you've got a ski where you can ride the shovels, having your boot mounted centre will make it work uh, perfectly. Yeah, and I guess maybe, like you say, there is adjustability from like skiers' technique point of view, Crowy, you know, the further you, you lunge or the further you have your, your heel off the ski. And I guess maybe in years gone by when it was kind of normal for people just to be doing these pretty pronounced sort of lunges, when you do that, what I'm picturing there that you've got a lot of ski behind where the ball of your foot is or where your toe is on the ski and perhaps they recommended mounting one or two centimetres rear of centre back then just to kind of combat the, um, you know, the, the rear tip of your inside ski flapping around on the snow as you do a turn maybe. I don't know, that, that was kind of, kind of my takeaway from what you just said. Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right. It's um, back in the day when you're ski was really far back it might make sense to have the boot center further back from the center line uh, so the the weighting's different but these days when your back foot's closer to your front foot and it, it, especially when you look at um the world cup tele skiers like jasmine they get penalized if they're not weighting the back foot enough because all their weight's on the front foot so if you mounting center there that's where you need to be really good insight there for sure and i guess another thing is that it's it's not a be all and end all there's no i guess rule about this i've definitely mounted some back because of previous holes in my ski from other bindings especially secondhand ones having to go a centimeter back certainly hasn't been the end of the world in some cases so definitely possible and it's also personal preference too. So like as Armo's written in since and said he mounted his new NTN skis back two centimetres and he's absolutely loving it. So I guess it's just all about what you like. Um, as long as you're not mounting them on the tails. <laughs> uh, yeah, and absolutely because I like skiing switch a lot. So I think maybe I need to go forwards so then I can ski switch better. Well, yeah, that's a good point actually. And for, <laughs> for park skiers... Like you, you would almost mount them on ski center rather than boot center, which is 
what a lot of park skiers do, um, especially alpine park skiers. Very, very valid point, Crowy. I suppose maybe we'll just turn the turn the conversation back to some other gear things, fellas. Crowy, being a, a man with many many insights into the into the world of telemark gear and often daydreaming daydreaming about different things. If you were going to make your own telemark binding, you have unlimited time, unlimited resources, unlimited money. What would you be going for? How would the Andy Crow special binding look? What would you do? It's <laughs> a very good question. I have thought about this a little bit. I was thinking about a double a double pin pining. So there was one where it pinches Ooh. in the toe and there's one that pinches in the duck butt. So then like the whole front of your foot's really locked in and then you can still lift your heel up. But yeah, I don't know, something along those lines. It's an interesting question, Morgs, because I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a Instagram page called like Telemark is Undead. I think it's that handle. And Crow, you might've seen this, but there's this like Frankenstein finding maker out there (laughs) yeah it looks so cool though because it's kind of addressing these things in my mind when i'm thinking about if i was to design a binding what would i do i go to this page and someone's already kind of created what i was thinking of with you know some sort of combination of a pin binding with a 75 mil binding or an ntn binding somehow incorporated in that too like it's some really cool design someone's out there trying to just make and my goodness yeah. it's alive i don't know how well these things ski that i keep seeing on this page but i'm guessing someone's skiing <laughs> well yeah, I, I just found the fo- i just found the photo of them and they well they actually look quite sim- like just like a different version of what were they called that um that volley binding that we were laughing about a few weeks ago oh the tts apparently they were the whole Tecto thing was invented by accident because they they made uh, Scarpa TX boots so they could fit between a NTN binding and an Alpine binding. And then people just jumped onto that train of thought of maybe we could have a Tecto on a Telemark boot. So they accidentally made that binding. And then uh, that TTS one you're talking about, that wasn't even for Telemark. That was for a Scarpa F1 AT boot. So they had a Tecto on the front and then it didn't have a duck butt. So then they put a heel throw on the back so people could do schemo touring uh, with an AT boot and also Telemark. You just said the Scarpa F1, Crowy, and I'm still in the background here, boys, just scrolling the Telemark is undead feed. They've got the Scarpa F3, which I'm assuming is an Alpine touring boot, but they've, yeah, well, it has a bellow. That's that's absolutely correct. So Scarpa in about 2011 or 12 decided that bellows were the way to go, which is absolutely correct. So they made an AT boot with a bellow and a tech toe in the toe. So then um, the telemarkers, being very thrifty as they are, decided to adapt that into a telemark boot. What, but what else would you need to, like, could you just take one of those off the shelf and telemark with it? Or would you actually have to change something on it to, it wouldn't have a, um, a duck butt, would it? No, no duck butt, but you can 3D print them. From what I hear, the sole doesn't have enough, like a good flex in it. It's real soft in the sole because it's not meant to hold the turn. Right. Uh, so you could put a carbon fiber insert in if you're so inclined. And I just love that there's people out there innovating this sort of stuff. And again, if people are listening and they haven't seen this Instagram page, Telemark is undead. There's some really cool stuff on there. Just some freakish stuff too. And even not just bindings too, boots. Well, what about boots, Crowy? 
your thoughts on those? Like, is there a boot that you think would be better out there in your mind's eye? What's the perfect boot? Perfect boot would be a TX comp with pins in the front, but that doesn't exist at the moment. <laughs> Can you retrofit pins into a boot? I have thought about it. There are the holes there for it, but I think if I broke my ankles or knees i don't think i'd be <laughs> i think i'd be in a lot of trouble this is kind of just reminds me of um you know playing around with this new gear it reminds me of the heyday when you hear about people messing around with leather boots and like adding plastic bits from whatever they could find that was suitable almost like using a brush and shovel for a bellow guard morgues still one of my i still remember quite vividly actually walking in the front door of ferg's house in um um, Flora Hill back in Bendigo back in the day and he and I couldn't and no one answered the door so I didn't know where everyone was and I came through the back and there they are you know there's about five people gathered around the dining table and Ferg's got like a little hacksaw out and he's cutting the end of a dustpan brush <laughs> off and then drilling it into his ski boots I couldn't believe it it's the sort of behavior should have been encouraged he could now be adapting and or making his own telemark equipment if you encourage that in that rare moment in time. <laughs> what are your thoughts on pin bindings, Crowy? Yeah, you know, this seems to be the way that Telemark's going to go, is it not, um, over the next, I guess, maybe a few years? Uh, I absolutely love the pin bindings. I'm currently on the market for some Lynxes, if anyone's got some for sale. I was, only, I was skiing them with my old TX boots, which predate the comps and the pros. So they're very, they're a very soft boot. And I think the bindings were more powerful than the boots. So I was a little bit inhibited, but no, I think, I think pins is the way forwards, to be honest. Like with AT skiing, people are scared of pins because there's not much releasability, but with telemarking, there's no release anyway. So we might as well embrace it. Yeah, the uh, the lateral the lateral stiffness was phenomenal, I'd have to say, and they were so light. They were so much lighter than my bishops. It was I was skiing moguls uh, like I hadn't for a long time. I loved it. Like I've I've seen people on on pin bindings. I guess ever since I've really been into skiing, like I see people out in the backcountry. I guess in the I don't know how long pins have been around for for AT, and I always used to look at it and think, oh, just. You know, how can those two little things just hold? Like, how can that be better or stronger or just as strong as a normal ski binding, whether that be Telemark or, or Alpine or Alpine Touring? But, you know, just stepping into those lynxes, it's just incredible, the stability, like the lateral stability that you have. And, yeah, it's, a, it's obviously a good, good bit of technology. Yeah, and it's continuing to get better, Morgs. And you're, I think you're lucky that you've, stepped into the NTN world, literally, into the version three of those bindings because talking to Lucas about them, we were talking about, you know, they pin bindings not releasing and the version one, which he owns, they were releasing on him quite a bit and I think that's one of the, the things they needed to work on at 22 Designs to make sure it didn't happen so they've made some modifications. But for myself or Crowey looking into the future and maybe getting some pin bindings, you know, things are just going to keep getting better and better. And we're just going to enter a world of telemark like you have where the equipment is so good. Oh, so I was, I was going to say, I almost committed to the dark side about three months ago. My good friend, James, his setup. So he's got boots, skis, bindings, and they weigh less than one of my telemark boots as an AT skier. You, you nearly, you attempted I was tempted, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But gosh, I think Telemark's a little archaic in some ways, but 
I think we can get there eventually. Yeah, it's like we've said on the it's like we've said on the podcast before, Rich, that Telemark is sort of lacking a lightweight boot, as a, like you know, unless you're going for something like a T4. But people want something more powerful than that. But people also want lightweight stuff. Yeah, um, I guess it's an interesting point. Weight in your skis and boots, and there's certainly there's certainly savings to be made in in certain areas. But I think there's a sweet spot. We almost want the right amount of weight in the right amount of places, to be honest. Like, especially for Australian skiing in, in the backcountry where you can be on some variable conditions. And I know, for example, my mud shush skis with a switchback on there and probably some gum on excursions. That's a pretty light setup for Telemark. But if I hit any shitty ice, it's a woeful ski to be on. doesn't hold edge very well. Compare that to the another pattern-based ski, which is the Ultra Vector, with an axle on there, and I'm using a Synergy, Garmont Synergy, so it's a, a lighter boot than, say, the Energy. I think it's uh, absolutely horses for courses. Weight in a resort is your friend. Like having a two-kilo Brahma under your foot whilst smashing through resort crust is your friend, but then you don't want to go tour on that, so... I think Telemark's just lacking in the way that they don't have the light boot, but we've got the heavy. The heavy stuff is dialed. We just need to go light somewhere. And who's going to go out on a limb and make us those light boots? So, like, it remains to be seen. I guess just with you know all the heartache that we've experienced this year, and our favourite boot companies just uh, reining in their their stock, unfortunately. And um, yeah, I, it remains to be seen. I suppose where where this lightweight boot could come from. There was. Scarpa representative on the Free Hill Life podcast, and he, I don't know if he accidentally let slip or deliberately let slip, they are kind of testing something at the moment. And, you know, that's one of the projects in terms of Telemark that they're aiming to get a boot out that might be a bit lighter and more suitable for people in the backcountry or just people that are looking for a lightweight boot in general. So, yeah, it could be the Scarpa TX Light. Oh, uh, well, I think you got to remember the fact that developing a new boot costs about $2 million. So it's it's difficult for them to uh, start something new. But I think just looking at either a better heavy resort boot or a ultra light boot. So just looking at the plastic, looking at the carbon, looking at the way the buckles work, uh, I think would make a huge difference to a lot of people. Yeah, very good. 100% agree with that. And I think we can put a pin in that discussion for now. Very interesting thoughts and ideas about the gear that we own and the gear that we might dream of owning in the future. But we're drawing to the conclusion of our episode here in the Gear Lab. But I thought it would be good to get to at least two more segments before we do. And the first is a bit of Telemark Brand Power. Telemark Brand Power, helping you buy better. There's something I did want to talk about, and this is ski-related. We've talked about resort. We've talked about backcountry. Now, you are one of the first that I know of to have a Volley Ultra Vector BC with the pattern on the bottom. I'm a recent convert. In last season, I got a pair, and Lucas got another pattern-based ski, different model, but made by Volley as well. And I have absolutely loved them. The way they are styled in their side cut, their dimensions – I think they're a really suitable ski for people in the backcountry. They're looking for something that's a bit stiffer and a bit more progressive. Those 
skis absolutely changed the way I look at the backcountry, to be honest. I, I remember on my first trip at uh, university, the same university I went to as you guys, uh, I was on a pair of Adams and like I had a great time, but and look, it's probably on me, but I couldn't, trying to ski downhill, I couldn't turn that well. And then I went and bought some ultra vectors and gosh, you could ski everything and it just made the whole environment so much fun just being able to to skin up or not skin up scale up and then (laughs) ski down and have such a good time on the way down and that's for me that's what the backcountry is all about and that is me it's about the downhill rather than the uphill but yeah I just it just made everything so much fun they just wanted to be a really fun ski and that's exactly what they were they are so fun and spent a few days in the BC on them now. And while we have talked about how good they are in terms of their performance downhill, this season I've been blown away under the right snow conditions. They can climb very well too. Like our, our day out on lock morgues, I didn't have to put my skins on at all. Like for all the runs we did, yeah. I was able to get back uphill without needing to put my skins on. And then the amount you save in terms of fatigue is quite incredible not having wet, heavy skins on your feet. Absolutely. And I think there's a little bit of tactics involved with that ski. So they are wider underfoot. So you got my, more scale surface area. So you can really stomp them in and get a really good uphill. And then when you're coasting on the downhills, if you just ride the tails a bit, you can lift the scales out of the, out of the snow Ooh. and then you're, you're set. It's a pretty, it's a pretty long, pretty long kick zone, isn't it? On the, um, on the ultra vector, isn't it? Like the the section that has the pattern base on the bottom is quite long. I remember noticing that. No, no, it, it is. And, and it's quite surprisingly, though, it doesn't seem to hurt my ears as much as the Adams would <laughs> in the resort. Um, Lucas and I were talking about this. We're absolutely amazed at how well they do perform downhill. It's, you know, most of the time in the backcountry, we're kind of looking at going down the fall line uh, anyway. So we're kind of gaining enough speed to overcome that. But I feel like it's almost easier to overcome the pattern on the ultra vectors than it is on the anim or maybe some some fisher skis that have skied before and perhaps they're not as positive in terms of the scale sticking out from the base of the snow maybe they're a bit more negative mm. or yeah i'm not 100 sure but can we can we expect to see another impulse buy morgues into the pattern based world oh look maybe 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 next year we'll see um, i was just about to say like how many times have you um, forgotten that you're on pattern-based skis, rich and spun around a little 180 and tried to drop in switch <laughs> and then just ended up on your backside. <laughs> well, that has that has been a running joke of a few people um, that I've run into the resort recently because I've kind of been keen to try my pattern-based skis out with different boots, you know, the resort to practice and have been doing a bit of switch the last two seasons. And, uh, yeah, people are kind of like, yeah, do switch now. Very funny, Alpine skiers. Very funny. Appreciate the jokes. Well, Morgs, do we have any other gear-related questions? No, I don't think so. I think we've had a comprehensive chat this evening. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, debriefing and dissecting all things telemark equipment related. And, um, yeah, no, it's been fantastic having Crowley on the show. But before we finish up, Rich, it looks like, is there time for one more segment? There is. We're going to have a bit of a, a songs for the free healers, Morgs. Oh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Songs for the Free Heroes. All right. But this time, it's it's rather exciting because it's not necessarily from us. This is only the second time ever in the, those Tele Guys history that someone else 
has supplied a song, I will say. They didn't send it. I found it. And uh, they're happy for us to use their song in this segment. And it's on an Instagram account called Happy Human. And it's by a gentleman called Angus. And Angus has made this cool song about freeing the heel. And uh, I love it. He's got the banjo playing. And uh, he has approved us using his song. And he's super stoked that we dig it. And I think it's just going to make every free healer out there pretty happy to hear this. Telemark skiing is the best, it's true. I learned how to do it in Crested Butte, a little mountain town where I once did dwell. Oh, those times were swell. Always trying to keep it real. Free the mind, free the heel. Free the heel to free your mind. Make better use of your time. Telemark skiing is the best way to shred. We'll keep dropping knees till Alpine is dead. The best way to extend your skiing survival is to join the Telemark revival. Telemark skiing every single run. We wear knee pads just for fun. Our thighs are toned like Hulk Hogan's. We got more style than everyone. Your Shaolin snowboard butter is no match for our Wu Tang Kelly style. Ain't no use in even trying. You can see us coming from a half a mile, floating down the mountain with ease and grace. I'm used to seeing that shocked look on your face of bewilderment and awe, cause you can't believe what you just saw. Telemark skiing, keep it real. Telemark skiing, ski for real. Free the heel, free your mind. Telemark skiing, it's all time. tune and while we're on the topic of tunes crowy did you not have something for us perhaps that might drop in the future it's on it's a work in progress i'm not musically (laughs) talented like you gentlemen so it is a little bit more difficult for me i think but there is one on the way oh very good might drop with the new lightweight telemark boot (laughs) morgs Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think we're all very much looking forward to hearing that. And as I've always said, we're always looking forward to uh, hearing any offerings that anyone has for the uh, Songs of the Free Healer segment. Yeah, you know, there might be there might be a little bit of I I did find the lyrics to that song, Rich, when we were talking on the phone the other day. So there there could be a little bit of Taylor Swift coming to finish off season 2020-22. When Scarpa released a new boot, I'll release myself. Fantastic. Well, thanks, gents. Thanks for coming along. And, um, yeah, thanks thanks for coming on to the show, Crowy. It's been thoroughly enjoyable and we look forward to having you on the cast again in the future sometime, I'm sure, and hopefully get some more skiing in maybe in the springtime. Thank you so much. I really Look forward to skiing soon. And if you ever want to talk about gear again, let me know. Oh, absolutely we will. Cheers, fellas. Those telly guys hope you have enjoyed this program. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch at thosetellyguys at gmail.com. 
If you enjoy this show, please subscribe for more fun episodes. Otherwise, you can find us on Instagram. Thank you. <laughs>